The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you both. Good morning, Good morning Scott. So obviously still a lot of turmoil in the world, and it, it, many are saying this could go on for a while. We're certainly seeing uh, the rise in, in energy prices and such. What's, what's, what are you both uh, of yours take uh, on what we've been seeing in the last week? Well, yeah, absolutely, Scott. Yeah, you know, you just have to go to the gas pump to see what's going on there. Yeah. And, uh, I know in BC, it went over $2 a litre. Um, this past week, and I'm sure we're not too far from that ourselves. And, you know, just the uncertainty of the markets is scary. You know, obviously the news clips and everything else we get to, and that, you know, that certainly scares the markets. So you're seeing the NASDAQ hit bear territory, which means it's dropped over 20%. Now you got to remember the NASDAQ is the tech stocks that were up dramatically over the last few years and particularly did extremely well during the pandemic. So nobody actually mentions it too much when they go up 40%. Okay. But when they go down 20 and it's now obviously okay. And, and volatility is just that it's, it's not just how much it goes down. It's also how much it goes up. So you see that. And now the other side of the coin, you're actually seeing the Canadian markets doing very well during this because we're really just a big giant country full of natural resources and gold and, and oil, particularly, both those actually, are doing extremely well. So they look at Canada as a, a fairly safe haven. And so the gold stocks and the oil stocks have been doing well. Technology, the other extreme, haven't been. And so you're getting a mix. And this is what diversification is all about. You really do. And I, I often say this, you know, because two years ago, nobody wanted to have any Canada in your portfolio. Everybody wanted U.S. growth stocks. Well, had they jumped into that lane, now they would have said, oh, boy, look where I am now and look how much it's going down. And boy, I wish I stayed in the other lane where good old Canada is doing OK. So I know Gary's uh, pertinently going to be talking about the fluctuations and how to navigate yourself through those. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Don. And I think that's a that's a great lead in. And uh, as you were speaking, I, you know, the thought went through my mind as it as it often does that when when markets are going up, the, the mindset of most people is, is thinking in terms of, of rate of return. When markets go down, it's the dollar value. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that, and we've talked about that before, but the psychology of that is, is really interesting. So, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've been enjoying a very positive uh, market situation for the past couple of years now with, you know, in, in spite of the, uh, the two month downturn uh, we experienced when COVID became the issue that it was. Um, and here we are into 2022 and, and a lot has happened. And, you know, the, the, the horrific things that are going on in Europe, in, in the Ukraine is, uh, is definitely ca- causing a lot of people to pause. And, and that in itself affects, affects the markets. But, you know, drops in the market are, are often caused by a whole host of factors that have nothing to do with the basic fundamentals. And, uh, you know, for example, uh, COVID, I, I referred to that a little earlier, when COVID hit in March of 2020, you know, that was that had nothing to do with it didn't suggest for a moment that there were overvaluations in the market, you know, from a, uh, a functional standpoint, it was it was the reaction that uh, 
that COVID created. Um, and obviously the, the current situation, the Russian attack on Ukraine, um, you know, that's a, that's a, a cl- that's a horrific example of, of how geopolitical things can, uh, can affect the markets. And, and various crises as well, whether they're, they're um, environmental catastrophes, whatever the issue is, it, it, it does affect people's um, comfort level in terms of, of uh, investing in the market. And it creates a you know, huge measure of, of uncertainty. So let's talk about how we as financial advisors work with our clients to, to assist in keeping the focus on, on long-term growth, because you know, that, as we know, that is so critical and, and not overreacting to the inevitable and periodic uh, downward movement that, that we see in the markets. Um, you know, fortunately, we, we experience very few clients who are tempted to do the absolutely wrong thing in times of market contraction. Don and I, Scott, were just speaking before, uh, before the show about, about you know, that, that type of situation. Um, you know, we conduct thorough conversations about market fluctuations with our clients. Uh, we do that when we begin working with clients and we do that throughout uh, because, because we know that we're going to see them. And it's, an, you know, and we use effective uh, risk tolerance tools to, to uh, you know, in order to help people determine um, what their own understanding is and how they would feel when, not if, but when they experience various uh, market results. Uh, we know that within the investment industry, uh, some investors feel the need to be defensive, um, you know, and retreat to the security of cash or, or money market uh, instruments. Um, you know, we've seen a, a little bit of that over the years, fortunately, um, because of the ongoing connection that we have with our clients and discussions and so on. We don't see a lot of it, Don. I think you'd agree. No, no um, question. But and, and as we talked about just before the show, Ian, there's something a little different this time is I've had actually a couple of clients discuss about moving money to gold. And in the past, it's been, okay, let's put it onto the sidelines and, and wait for the market to kind of settle down. What that usually means is let's wait for the market to go back up. Okay. Right. right. Um, and in gold, right now, gold is like an, almost at an all-time high. So what they're basically looking at, and nobody knows, nobody has a crystal ball, but these are companies that are resilient. And you want to trade a company that's resilient, that pivots during crises and try to, and they're very, you know, the smartest people in the world are running these corporations. And you want to trade that for a piece of metal that people suggest what it's worth at an all-time high. And usually, usually with gold, it's always during a time of war or some sort of crisis where all of a sudden you hear all the chatter of gold. Uh, When when times are normal, whatever that is, um, (laughs) you know, there's really not too much chatter about gold. It's only when there's a, a real risk that you really hear about it. Right. And that's the right. exact point. When you're looking at buying something after it's gone up 20 or 30%, yeah. rather than was it part of your plan when everything was kind of stable, do you like it at that time? And right. if that's the case, great. But to it's, have a knee-jerk reaction, I don't believe is ever a good thing. It's like something they used to do during the World Wars. You know, They would put money into gold. That was the safest uh, place for it to be. But I think a lot's changed since then. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they, you know, in terms of, of people, you know, parking everything on the sidelines and, and thinking that that's the best thing to do when there's a sense of markets going, going south. The problem with that strategy, you know, we've seen that magnified, you know, over and over again, um, because it, it, it becomes very difficult to try and time the market in terms of when to get back, right? And, um, you know, it's usually too late because typically, 
what you've done by moving funds out when things are down, uh, you've, you've basically done the exact opposite of what you set out to do. So, you know, what we try and do, of course, is, 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 is sell when things are high and buy when things are low, but you're doing the exact opposite. So, you know, no one likes a, a turbulent market. And, uh, you know, the focus, again, needs to be on the, on the long term, stay invested and uh, take advantage of, of positive growth over the long haul. So, for example, a client who stayed fully invested in the, the S&P 500 index from January 1st, 1992 to December 31st of 2021. That's a long period of time. They would have realized an 8.5 annual return, and that's excluding any, any potential dividends. Conversely, uh, an investor who missed the best 50 days of, of that period of time, just 50 days, because they were in and out of the market, trying to time things, worried about markets going down. Um, so that's 1% of all the trading days over that period of time. Their ac- actual annual rate of return was minus 0.4, minus four tenths of, of 1%. So obviously a huge difference. And as we go through the best, you know, even down to the best 10 days, there's a dramatic difference between staying invested. You know, long-term investing obviously is one of the, one of the best strategies for offsetting short-term market volatility. Every time the market goes down, uh, or at least very often, it's for different reasons, but staying invested really ensures that you're, you're always able to capitalize on the upside of the market. And, and by doing that, you're basically reducing the impact of short-term volatility by staying invested. Um, so we, we look at, you know, I've looked at uh, different rolling periods of time. And, uh, and if we go back from 1960 to 2021, 15-year um, rolling periods. And we often talk about long-term investing. You know, what's, what's long-term investing? Well, um, I know we used to talk about it in terms of seven years. But if we look at 15-year uh, rolling periods, there were 100% positive returns. Mm-hmm. And if we if we look at a 10 year rolling period, 95.7. So, you know, further to this point, um, the S&P has seen 52 positive years compared to 22 negative years um, since 1948. So therefore, positive returns have, have occurred 70% of the time. No one likes it when things go down. You know, we, when things go down, we have we have different conversations with people. We remind people what their focus is and so on. Um, but uh you know, the rates of return when we look at, at uh, the different indices over, over a long period of time, uh, you know, we see, we see these positive returns. So staying the course is, is of utmost importance, uh, especially during volatility, because, you know, we, we hate to see the odd situation, which both Don and I have over time. Very rare, but we've seen people pull out, never know when to get back in. And then by then, markets typically recover pretty quickly. Yes. And, uh, and, and then it's, it's too late. You know, uh, historically, you know, headlines involving market downturns always find their way to the, to the top of the, the news, uh, obviously, because, you know, positive, when markets are doing really well, we don't hear a lot about it. And everything just kind of sails along. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the old bad news sells uh, premise uh, compared to, to positive, positive news. You know, so so what's the advisor's role as as advisors? What's our role in terms of coaching and advising and informing and reassuring our clients in in times of market turmoil? And you know, we're we're experiencing that right now, and we're going to have lots of those conversations and and help people keep focused on on what really matters. So providing context in terms of 
you know, the, first of all, the reasons for the drop. It's always important for us to do our homework so we can talk about why. You know, why are markets uh, down? Reminding clients what their financial plan is and execute, you know, the plan and, and, and determine if the plan, does the plan need to be revised, you know, based on, on the way it's structured. And focus on the goals and not get caught up in, in uh, making damaging decisions due to fear and uncertainty and, and so on. You know, it's been said that investment portfolios are like bars of soap. I like this, actually. The more you play with them, the smaller they get. So um, I think that, uh, you know, the best advice generally that we can give at this point in time is if people are working from a plan, then, uh, you know, just stick with it. I had so many jokes about the bar of soap, but I just don't <laughs> think it's appropriate at this time. As some people may be eating breakfast. All right. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here, shower off, and we're coming back. <laughs> You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, retirement benefits that are coming up that uh, you may want to think about. Yeah, and how to defer Canada pension plan, or if you should, or old age security for that moment. But just before we get to that, I know we were just talking about the markets, and obviously this whole Ukraine invasion is on everybody's mind, and the markets are going up and down with them. Now, you know, I, I know it's, they just, if you just look at a, a market's going down, and say, okay, well, the prices, you can actually buy more shares uh, with the same amount of money right now. And so it's a bit of an opportunity for those that have more money, because in general, the markets are down somewhere. Uh, the, as I mentioned, the Canadian market's about even or up a bit, but the US and uh, international other markets are now down. And, you know, it's like any other commodity. If, if bread was on sale for, say, 20% off, you might get a second loaf of bread, right, with the same amount of money. And, and this is a, we're in a different game. When our prices drop, people get scared and don't want to buy quite often. And if the prices go up or they keep going up, hey, I, I wouldn't mind getting on, on some of that. And gold is that particular one right now. Gold's hitting all-time high. And uh, people are saying, oh, geez, maybe I should buy gold. And so we saw that with growth stocks uh, during not long ago saying, oh, we should get into these. Look how well they've been doing in the last two years. And the idea is, you know, don't jump on what's doing going up in price, maybe it's the time to look at things that are going down in price. And if you don't want to time it, one way is what we call dollar cost averaging, where you simply just are adding money monthly and not worrying whether what time you're buying or anything else. And that has been true and tried and is a great part of a financial plan. And Gary, I know you wanted something to say about that too. Yeah, I just wanted to, to add, Don. Uh, I mean, dollar cost averaging, uh, as, as, you, uh, as you indicated, it allows us to buy things at a more favorable price units or, or shares, whatever the case may be. So therefore, what we're doing essentially is we're just lower, lowering our average cost when yep. we put money into our investments when markets are down. That simple. 
Yeah, very simple. And it actually increases your rate of return. For those yes. that are dollar averaging, you're actually increasing your rate of return. So it's a, it's, these are actually volatile markets actually help the people that add monthly and actually increase the rates of return. So I just wanted to kind of finish off what Gary was saying earlier in the last segment. But now off to, should you be deferring your old age security or Canada pension plan benefits? And, you know, I, I kind of went through this. There was a great article in the Globe Mail this past week. And 1987 is when they started to allow people to take your Canada pension plan early, say at 60, or defer it all the way to 70. And just in 2013, they allowed people to defer grabbing your old age security and deferring it till 70. You can't take it early. You still can, you know, the earliest is still 65, but it does allow you to take it uh, deferring it until 70. And so right now, the current maximum Canada pension plan, if you topped it up every year, you rate from like 40 years of contributions would be $1,253.59. So call it $1,250 is approximately the amount that you would get at 65. And old age security, as of this year, is $642.25. So this is a reasonable amount of money. This is not to be sneezed on. That's per person, by the way. So if you're, if you're married or, or common law, you, you and your partner can each get up to that amount per, per month. So now, if you said, okay, I'm going to say take it early. Canada Pension Plan decreases 0.6% per month all the way to age 60 in which case it's a total of a 36% decrease. Now, if you dis decide to defer it, you can get a 0.7% increase, which is a 42% increase if you wait all the way till 70. Okay, so you're thinking, okay, should I or shouldn't I kind of thing. Old age security, by the, by the way, you can't get in early, any earlier than 65, but you can get a 36% increase on that if you wait till 70. So basically I did the math with the current numbers if you took the both at the earliest you could, age 60, you would get $802 of Canada Pension Plan. You'd also get at 65, $642 of old age security. So it works out to about $1,444 per month. And that's $17,334 a year of government benefits if you took it both at the earliest. Now, mind you, I got to say, you've already collected the Canada Pension Plan for five years, and this does not include indexing. Okay. Now, if you wait till 70, let's look at the other extreme. You wait till both waited till 70 years old, you would get $1,780 of Canada Pension Plan. So actually a little bit more than double. And if you, if you took it at 60, that is, and $873 of old age security for a total of $2,653 a month or 30, almost 32,000 a year. So a, a massive di uh, difference there. And that does not even include inflation or indexing. And so if you actually add indexing it in, there, instead of being 42% increase of your Canada Pension Plan, it actually works out to about 50%. So there's a, a, quite an argument of saying, okay, it, maybe I should wait till 70. So the, the obvious question is, what's the break even? Well, between 60 and 65 on your Canada Pension Plan, the break-even is about 74 years old. So if you're debating, should I wait till 65 or grab it at 60? Well, do you think you'll live past 74? If yes, then you probably should defer it. Now, if you're thinking, okay, I'm already 65, should I wait till 70? Well, the break-even is 82 years old. And the old age security, because it's not as much of a benefit by waiting, the break-even between 65 
taking it at 65 or deferring it till 70 is 84 years old. So those are the kind of the numbers you want to think about. And now you, you look at that and you say, okay, um, how does that affect me? Well, you look at the life expectancy. And if you hit 60, forget about the average age of the general population, because a lot of those people, unfortunately, didn't make it till 60. So they bring down the average. Okay. So if you say, okay, I'm 60 years old and I'm a, a male, my average life expectancy is 80.5 years. And the average female is 84.9. Okay. So right off the bat, you think definitely should be looking to have my Canada pension plan at 65 rather than 60, because right off the bat, you're past the, you're past the break even point. Now, a 65 year old, who is now trying to figure out, should I defer my OAS or CPP? Well, the males are living to about 82 and basically just get to that break-even point and the females get to about 86. So they pass, and this is averages. And uh, by the way, if you're, if you're already 70, um, you're, you're gonna live, basically females live to about 88 and males live to about 83. So you can see this is why we're finding, if you ever look at the spec or anybody else, you see the most of the people are living well into their 80s, if not 90s this year. You know so, what's interesting, Don? Sorry. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is, um, you know, we know what the break-even years are and so on. And, and, and I think people, when they hear that, as they're listening to that, I'm, I'm sure people are surprised. But um, the one missing ingredient in the equation, of course, that is how long. And, and even though we, we know what, uh, what the probabilities are, there are some people who look at what they, if they decide, if we use CPP as an example, and they, they look at it and say, well, if I take it at 60, you know, that's close to $50,000 that I'm going to get between 60 and 65. And I can, I can really use that money, or mm -hmm. I can put that money to work for, for specific things, or I can gift it, whatever the case may be. And, uh, and that's always, I find that that's, that's one thing that people look at is um, if I, if I don't really need the money, I'm going to wait, but uh, I could really use it. So, you know, I'm going to take it early, even though at a certain, those respective points in time, uh, it would have been better to, to have waited. Absolutely. It's kind of funny when, when you're talking about generally how long people will live, people think, oh yeah, I like living in my eighties, you know, I keep healthy, do this, do that. And yet when it says, oh, I, but I want to take my CPP out early. It's like there's a disconnect. You know, they, there's an yeah. emotional tie of getting those, that money in your pocket rather than thinking, well, in the long run, I'll be far better off by waiting. And it's actually interesting. That life expectancies I was just telling you, that's just the average. That's not weeding out smokers versus non-smokers. That's not weeding out what education level, income level you're at. These Accidents. Accidents, yeah, these all play Illnesses, a factor. Yeah. And you yeah. should just Google, the listeners, just go Google your situation. You can actually say, okay, what's the life expectancy of Canadians? There's lots of charts and done by the um, you know, Canadian government showing how long people should live. And for example, if you have a university degree, so everything, even if you're a smoker, doesn't matter. University degree, life expectancy versus just a general, you add another two years to all those numbers I just told you um, for males women don't seem to make out as much. It's about two years for the younger and it goes to about a year. If you're 70, you'll live an extra year. But all insurance the males, companies use that data to price their, their premiums, right? That's 100%. Yeah, 100%. So you'd assume by looking at this that 
you know, people would just generally be deferring, or at least a good chunk of people would be deferring. And you say, okay, well, this chart came out, and I saw, okay, this was like mind-boggling when I saw this. The Canadians taking Canada Pension Plan from 60 to 64, 62% of the population is taking it before 65. They're not even waiting until 65. So two-thirds, 27% are taking it right at 65. And only 11% are taking it past 65. Uh, in fact, actually only 4% are only taking it at 70. So out of 100 people, four waited till 70, and 62 of them didn't even wait till 65. Yeah. So I find that fascinating. And, and on, the, on the other hand, the uh, old age security, 93.6% are taking it at 65. Almost everybody's taking it at yeah. 65, and rarely do people take it any earlier than that. There's a lot of people that, that are receiving defined benefit pension plans, uh, as long as they're still available. Yeah. Um, and uh, they have bridging, and the bridging takes them to 65, and, and those people typically will wait until they're 65 for their CPP. Normally, and some will say, "Oh, I'm always taking it early." It's like double dipping. I said, "No, no, no." Yeah, so, yeah. and and a lot of it, I I swear that of those eleven percent that take CPP after sixty-five, I'd love to know how many of those spoke to a financial planner, because I would suggest it'd be a very high percentage. Because left to our own brothers, people are generally taking it at sixty-five or earlier, because they just think, "Oh, it's there. I might as well get it." There's not a lot of thought, and it's very emotional. So. Here, here's the, the biggest reasons. And one is simply they can't afford to wait. They just simply, it's a financial lifeline for some people. It's like, oh my God, thank God I got 60. I got my Canada pension plan. I got some money coming in. In fact, the poverty rates in Canada fall when people hit 60. So they are very dependent on this. And for those people that cannot afford to wait, I can absolutely understand why they are taking it early. It means not making rent or not making rent payments basically um some is simply they've done the math and they have a shortened lifespan and if that's the case and you feel okay you've had you're battling some kind of illness then uh, that's a totally legit reason why would you want to wait longer and if you don't feel you're going to live past say 72 or 3 you know take it as early as you can because you want to get your hands on that money because otherwise you're not going to get as much so that one actually makes total sense that is very much the minority of reasons though. Um, a lot of people, if they're still working past 65, they're actually contributing to Canada Pension Plan um, if you're an employee and you're not gonna get any extra benefit. So why not just take it at 65 because you're, you're, actually, you're not gonna get any more other than the normal deferral amount. And you, your extra payments into Canada Pension Plan while collecting can actually be added to this extra fund. So you will get a little extra. So that one's debatable, uh, but I can understand because the break even goes way up past 65 if you're still working. Now, I got to say, if you were self-employed, you may want to take dividends instead of salary. So you're not contributing to Canada Pension Plan anymore, and you're actually deferring it. And like, quite likely, you're in a higher tax bracket, too, if you're working past 65. So why pay all this excess tax on CPP? So nine out of 10 people should really be thinking about deferring it. Um, in particular, if you look at the numbers, females more than males because of their extra life expectancy. Now, what, another reason people don't do this is because they don't want to spend their savings. They want to hoard those RSPs, wait till they're 70, 71, and then tap into them. And this is actually 
totally counterintuitive. They should actually be hitting the RSPs and starting to withdraw them now. Um, for example, if you started collecting your CPP at, uh, at 70, you could then take 75,000 out of your RSPs plus indexing. And that's 75,000 less that you'll have taxed upon your death, which really could mean paying tax now at 30% rather than paying tax at 53%. That's $17,000 difference. And so, and, you know, at the end of the day, especially when we're seeing these stock markets right now going up and down, who would love to have that stable income that's indexed, not worry about the stock market, not worry about interest rate, not worry about anything. So it's a, it's a great feeling. Um, and so Canada Pension Plan is really like one of those defined benefit plans that you mentioned, Gary, that has gone away to the dodo a bit. And so it's nice to have to consider this, your pension plan, that if you work for a company. And finally, there's a, a few others. So uh, basically, uh, there's lack, and lack of faith in, in the whole system, thinking, well, I better grab it when I can, because it might not even be there in another few more years. Um, but I got to say, the, the biggest reason is emotion. They just can't help themselves. They just got this allure of money coming in. And the second biggest reason is education. Most people just didn't know they can delay it. So in 2018, they took a survey. Only 36% of the population knew you could delay your Canada pension plan. And only 17% knew you could delay old age security. So education is key. And that's probably what the biggest, if not the second or first biggest, depending on, on the allure of getting that money. But at the end of the day, speak to your financial planner and come up with the most efficient and effective plan to integrate your OAS and your CPP with your overall financial situation. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're talking about the importance of saving early. And boy, we hear this a lot, but it's usually confirmation from old people that that can tell you it's the way to go. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I thought it would be interesting to kind of flip things a little bit and and talk about people at the other end of the age spectrum and, um, and talk about the opportunities and, and, or, or lack thereof, depending on, on what type of savings mentality that that those individuals might have, um, you know, uh, Don, we have uh, we have clients that you know who who have adult children or young adults as children, and uh, we often uh, have them approach us and say, you know, would you sit down with my son or daughter and uh, just just have a conversation with them? We really like them to uh, to have a better understanding of what their opportunities are and and how important it is to you know, to begin to, to put some money away and they won't listen to us anyway. So, uh, it <laughs> well, would they help weren't listening you... to their parents. So they yes, thought they'd give, they, that's you what I mean. talk to the financial planner at least. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, 
so we, we, of course, do that. We're happy to do that. And we, we do that a fair bit because, you know, we believe in what we do and we know how important it is. Um, and, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time helping younger people get a sense of uh, a basic understanding. But the most important thing is, uh, is to, and it's, it's hard when you're young to really talk about your, your lifestyle goals or your retirement goals in particular, but, um, you know, they've watched their parents over time exhibit, you know, discipline and, and positive habits uh, and values about money, you know, through their relationship with, with you know, their advisor. And um, one of the most significant advantages of, of saving early is that you have time on your side. And that's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fairly old saying, but it's absolutely true. So I thought we'd look at, at four uh, hypothetical situations, different scenarios really quickly and just uh, point out the how important it is to begin as early as you can, um, as much as you can. Uh, so if we look at, at, at four different uh, situations, so person A is 22 years of age, they're putting away $250 a month, and they only do that until age 36. So over a 15 year period, they've, uh, they've put $45,000 away, and uh, perhaps in an RSP, and they don't do any more investing. So that's kind of an extreme situation. Scenario two, the person didn't start investing until they were 31, the same 250 a month, I kept that constant, but they do that until they're age 65 for a total of 105,000 over the 35 year period. Then there's another scenario, same age, 41, 250 a month until 65, age 65. And uh, for that 25 year period, uh, it was 75,000 that they put away. The fourth scenario uh, also waited until age 41 um, and then uh, decided to invest 6,200 a year or $517 a month. So, um, you know, double the money basically that the others until they turn 65 for a total of 155,000 during those 25 years. So one would think that the person who put in the most money over that period of time uh, their, their portfolio would be larger than the others. So everyone retired, all four people retired at age 65. So scenario one, the person that started when they were 22 and they only invested for 15 years, but they started that early and the money worked. The, their, uh, their asset, their investment grew to 335,000, which was the largest of all four. So 15 years of investing, wow. hmm. that was the largest amount. The others, the, the person who was 31 and invested for 35 years rather than the 15 years, same amount of money per month, uh, that accumulated to 317000 The other person who was 41, 25 years of investing, putting 250 a month away, that was only 161. And then the fourth person started at age 41, invested for 25 years, they put a lot more money in. Uh, there's accumulated to 334,000. So, so what does that really say? It says that procrastination can be extremely costly. Yeah, and education too, because a lot of the uh, younger ones didn't even know. And this is the whole financial literacy of sitting down and, and knowing how compounding works. And so some of it's certainly not their fault. So they're not procrastinating because they didn't know, but right. you know, given the fact they could know, or their parents should have told them or the education system should have told them they could be financially independent without nearly working as hard or putting his way as much. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we, we, we term it a, a savings habit for a reason, because 
habits are, you know, habits are hard to break, whether they're good habits or they're bad habits. And mm -hmm. so we, we try and help younger people acquire that savings habit. And, and the old adage of paying yourself first, it, uh, it, it absolutely is, is something that, that people that have bought into that in terms of their mindset, it's really worked well for them. And uh, so we just encourage everybody to save whatever they can. And every situation is different. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net and call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. Our last segment's coming up. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Uh, all right, Don, going to finish his, uh, finish it off with some common sense here. If it's too good to be true... Yes, it's it probably isn't. So it's uh, it, if it probably is, and this is the uh, the case with investing, and a lot of people aren't doing their homework. So there was recently in the last week, um, there's something called private debt, and that's basically where you're making loans to individuals that didn't go to normal institutions or or get bonds. So public debt would be things such as mortgages, uh, GICs. That's a uh, private debt, uh, government loans. That's government bonds. And those are, those are what we call public debt. So, and very common, but private debt has a higher rate of return. And there is always a risk reward relationship. If you're getting a higher rate of return, there's gotta be higher risk. And I've, and I've talked to clients about this and, and other people about this and some are saying, oh, I can get 20% on, on these second mortgages. Well, yeah, that's because the people couldn't get financing a different way or they're self-employed or their business. And so basically um, private debt, they make a lot of short-term loans to high risk borrowers. So they're shorter term, like two to three year loans. And uh, they obviously couldn't go through the normal paths of financing. And this, these have been very popular in the last 10 years because interest rates have been so low. So you're seeing GICs at 1% and, and somebody says, I can get a 8% return on your investment if you put it in this private debt fund. And the annual returns seem really good. In fact, the, you know, if you look at the chart, it just shows this gradual 8% straight, just like easy, no fluctuations like the stock market. And they're said that they're also liquid, meaning that you, know, you, you can get your money within 30 days. And this is a very common well. Well, interesting enough, in the past week, nine point partners halted redemptions on four of their funds in the past week. And these are all private debt funds. Two of these were halted indefinitely. So you can't get your money out and they don't know when. And two of these went from uh, getting your money back in 30 days and they put a 90 day pause on these, meaning that we're not sure we're gonna hold back for 90 days because there's been a bit of a run trying to get these monies out maybe at this time and they realized they couldn't get it. And so what there is, there's a mismatch between the redemptions and the liquidity. Because if you're lending money to somebody for two or three years, it's not like they can pay you back tomorrow. They know they've got this loan for two to three years. And 
it's it's been okay for the last while because so much money was going in they weren't actually taking the money out of those people they lent the money to they took it out of the cash flow so no problem in the last say eight years or nine years beforehand people would say okay i need my hundred thousand dollars back no problem just because a hundred thousand was invested they didn't actually take it out of the investment well that's kind of stopped now and to me it's kind of like a ponzi scheme so when you know, you look at Bernie Madoff, everything was fine with his Ponzi scheme all this time because they always just took paid off the redemptions for with people that were adding new money. But when finally, when there was more redemptions than new cash flow, the whole thing shows its shows its ugly face, basically. And and it and this is kind of interesting. So there's a quote from uh, Mark Carney, and he's a banking Bank of England governor. Things that have easy redemptions on e-liquid assets are built on a lie okay <laughs> let me repeat that if you think you can get fast money out of an investment that is not liquid meaning you that you can't sell it obviously this doesn't make sense and so i think buyer beware is is what you need to do because these are actually well it's a pretty big company and they're actually their propaganda their marketing say says right on it 30 days but this is where you have to understand what are you actually investing in? And ask your financial advisor, what is this? Because they'll, you know, where the rubber meets the road, this is the same thing as the mortgage-backed securities back in the 0809 crises, where they realized, hey, these aren't AAA bonds; these are highly leveraged mortgages to housing prices that were going through the roof. So, you know, basically. Private equities or private debt, both of these, they're not valued every day like public private debt or private equities because they're not on the, on the general stock market. And so there's less liquidity. In fact, if you look at private equity funds, they often don't have any redemptions for the first five years. And so that's, that's why, because they know that it's going to take X amount of time to build these up and to sell them. So they're more, call it true to their word. But we've had these type of situations in the past. And they always happen when there's demand for money. So back in the early 90s, and yes, uh, both Gary and I were there at the time, uh, real property funds all of a sudden had a run of money. And people, these real property funds, these are commercial real estate funds, they couldn't come up with the cash to pay it. So basically, the Canadian securities have stopped all real property funds except for ours because we're the only ones that could actually make redemptions. And so... We kept enough money on the side, but you got to think if you're buying in commercial real estate and also on you, everybody wants their money. It's not like you can sell that office building the next day. It's not that liquid stocks are. So these have been basically another person called these Frankenstein hybrids. Basically they're promising both easy redemptions and high returns on e-liquid loans. And so at the end of the day, high risk is high return, low risk, low return. Always remember that. And if it does sound too good to be true, it probably is. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management 
905-972-7420. Another fabulous show, gentlemen. Thanks so much for the time. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.